everybody to another episode of Small Council Radio. So we're finally getting into the Targaryens Part 1. Uh, if everything goes well, I think it'll only be a two-part uh, show for this one. Um, there's just a lot of stuff where it was already shown in the visions. So we will kind of recap some of the things that did get slight tweaks between the visions and what we see now. Uh, but otherwise, um, a lot of it... I was pretty much shown in the vision, so uh, it shouldn't be too crazy of a, a two-parter. Um, and we might even discuss some other stuff if this one goes quick enough. Uh, but with that said, um, uh, I want to welcome on my co-host, Craig. Thank you so much for being on tonight. Yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, I know. It's been a little while, but things have been kind of hectic. Uh the schedule has kind of been a little sporadic with a lot of things going on, but it's definitely nice to have you on. So I know Targaryens are kind of like your second love, maybe your first love now with uh, with 2021. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, as you know, I came up with the Starks, and I miss them dearly, but at this point, it's kind of hard to go back to them, I think. So <laughs> I think the Targs are yeah. I'm in the same boat, uh, not with the you know, Targaryen part, but just coming from Starks. They just they don't play the way I, the reason I got into the faction, and that's not you know for anyone listening, uh, most of you probably already know you know that's not about wolves or anything. That's really just the overall play style. Um, they went from kind of a mixed bag that could do just about anything very well to super hyper focused i believe in into like the self damaging but getting stronger and that part uh was never really like why i played starks and i i understand that was kind of the the idea behind them to begin with but they had enough ways to get around ever having to do that playstyle that it wasn't really an issue but um I mean, they're still definitely. I mean, we talked about Starks already. They're definitely still playable, and they're they're have a lot of strong options. But um, yeah, so uh, I know you you came out to one of our tournaments not too long ago, and you played Targaryens, and you know I had played against the, against them quite a bit. But even after playing you, there's quite a few things I didn't realize that they could do that you know you were able to do with them. Uh, you know, it just kind of goes to show how strong the Targaryens are. I would say, if I were to rank all the factions, if you if you take Mother of Dragons into consideration, I would say Targaryens have the easy second place. Um, if you take out, um, like, the whole dragon list, I'd say they're right on, like, tied with Lannisters for second. So definitely a great faction. Um but, you know, we can jump right into it. We're going to talk about the, let's see, full, the two units that got slight changes between the Visions and now. Uh, the first one is the Dithraki Veterans. Um, you know, uh, let me actually pull up the Visions so that I can compare them more accurately. Let's see here. All right. <clears throat> so... The difference being, it looks like the their ranged attack went from hitting on threes in the visions to hitting on fours. C seven four. Uh, 
and they lost to die on their second rake. So they are now 7-4 instead of 7-5 for both their ranged and their melee. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else. I think that's all that they changed. Uh, so, yeah, I and I think, you know, their new version is a lot more fair. You know, that hitting on fours can be a big deal uh, with that ranged attack. Uh, losing that die at second rank, so if you can somehow get the charge on them and, you know, take off those six wounds, their potency is, you know, severely reduced. So uh, I think they did a great job of uh, rebalancing in that aspect. What do you think, Craig? I think they're a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can use them. Uh, for example, you can charge unit to tie it up and then punish them for attacking you back, you know, um, off the swift retreat and quick fire. So they can either attack you back and eat arrows to the face or just look at you. Um, so, so you can play mind games like that, or you can maneuver, shoot, and then charge. So there's a lot of great ways to use them. Um, I do wish that they had a higher save uh, other than a five up. I understand why they don't because that might be a bit over the top. But for a unit that does want to get in and out of combat, they, they seem to melt too fast for me. The problem I seem to have. Yeah. For eight points. They're definitely, I think they're definitely like the pinnacle or one of the pinnacles of glass cannon. I mean, I guess that's not necessarily true. They do have a five-up morale, um, which is pretty good. I guess the pinnacle of Glass Cannon would be more like uh, <clears throat> Power Mancers, but they're they're definitely, like, they can be super flimsy, uh, depending on what hits them. And for an eight-point unit, you really have to, you know, choose what you're going to do with them wisely, especially when you have, you know, Flayed Men at that price, uh you can take a Screamer for two points less, throw one of the Co's in there. Um, you know, there's a lot of options that you can do with the Targaryen faction at eight points uh, that you really, these guys, they're they're easily worth their eight points, but you can't be, you know, you can't be silly about it. You really have to make, you know, everything this unit does count. Um, next up we have the Dothraki Outriders. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the only change they made, let's see, 7-4, 5-4, um, they reduced their range attacks uh, last rank from four dice, uh, or from five dice to four dice, and they changed, norm, uh, before they hit on threes uh, all the time, and then the Outrider's bow just gave them long range uh, if they didn't perform a maneuver, uh, but now they locked the, the three-up hit behind not moving, so if you're going to move with them, they're only hitting on fours, uh, so I do like that change, uh, and we'll talk about it in the next show, but I guess the only thing I don't really care about the combo with these guys is what you were doing, Craig, uh, throwing uh, battle endurance on these guys is just... It's a little too crazy. <laughs> um, you know, the fact that these guys are so fast that in a lot of scenarios you catch them, which is something that a lot of ranged units can't say. And for them to shoot, you know, granted they don't hit the keyword, but, you know, you give them that battle endurance and it just it can get a little nutty. 
Yeah, so this unit might be my favorite unit in the game currently. Now, it doesn't mean it's the best unit in the game, but it is my favorite unit to play. There are so many things you can do with them. Um, I am not above bringing four in a list, which I know sounds crazy. They don't hit very hard on the charge, but if you have four of them in a list and another unit, whether that's Screamers with Drogo or something else, you know, to, to charge with, um, you don't need to charge because you're getting at least four range shots around. Um, if you put the Fortune, uh, the Fortune, the, the Hedge Knight attachment, the Fortune guy, in there, you're almost guaranteed five range shots around, and they can't catch you. Um, you can maneuver and get behind them and shoot them in the flank. You can shoot at long range and keep backing up. Or if you absolutely desperately need to, they're only six points. You can throw a unit away, just charge into something to hold it in place. Your morale is high enough that your other units can keep shooting into it. So there are so many ways to use this unit. It, it's just a lot of fun. And like you mentioned, you can add the cards to it. Um, Battle Endurance is, man, it, it turns it into almost a 10-point unit real quick as far as value goes. So I'm a huge fan. Uh Definitely, because um, <clears throat> doesn't Battle Endurance give you rerolls, sundering, uh, like depending on the game rounds, like it can get it can get nutty with uh, the potential of this unit with Battle Endurance. But as you're saying, like with four of them, I mean, you're fast enough that you, I mean, granted, if there's objectives, it could really kind of hurt you. But you know, if you're it would just kind of depend on your opponent at that point. If they have a moderate uh, a moderate defense to weak defense of un uh, army, then you could just shoot them off the table uh, and not really have to worry about the objectives. You know, shoot them down to one rank and then just charge in, you know, because even if their charge isn't all that potent, you know, if they only have, like, one rank left, there's a good chance you could just finish them off like that. Exactly. And Battle Endurance gives you reroll, thundering, critical blow, and plus two attack types. All compounding as well. Oh, yeah. Goes. Exactly. You know, nine dice hitting on threes, long range with all those keywords rerolling. Uh, <laughs> it can get pretty nutty. And, uh, and then add Jorah Mormont's order into there as well. And uh, then they get rerolls from there, precision, and. Oh, yeah. Because that, that, that does work on them. All right, so um, I believe that uh, is it for the stuff that was shown in the visions that uh, was updated. Um, next up, we're going to talk about the dragons. Uh, we're going to kind of scoop them all up into the same category because, uh, as most of you already know, the only difference is the token that they give out. Drogon gives uh, panicked, uh, Rhaegal gives weakened, and Viserion gives vulnerable. So... <coughs> Dragons have had a lot of controversy, both when they came out and even now when they're updated form. I would say uh, if it wasn't for Mother of Dragons reducing their point costs, uh, in my opinion, dragons would just be a very strong list. Like, they're still going to be amazingly good, but they definitely would lose a lot of their potential if you... if uh, the Mother of Dragons really just didn't reduce point costs. Um, I think at eight points at what you see that they have, 
it's it's pretty fair. Uh, it's just unfortunate that some some things just don't have answers for it. Uh, but that is the upside of uh, two-list format. So I I guess my suggestion would be if you're trying to play a friendly game with the dragons, let your opponent know. Uh, because obviously in friendly games, 99% of the time, it's just bring a list and play each other. There is no two-list option to kind of help yourself avoid, uh, you know, that running into that uh, matchup where you have a list that just can't deal with them. So that would kind of be my suggestion. But as far as, like, a tournament goes, um, I would just, you know, try to think about uh, what other people are going to run. If you think you're going to face a bunch of dragons all the time, you know, make one of your lists be super anti-dragon. And, you know, I think a tailored anti-dragon list, uh, you know, because the dragon lists are pretty, you know, in my opinion, one-dimensional. They're really just looking to kind of table you. Um, I mean, I know they can set on objectives, but most dragon lists, you know, they're just like three dragons, you know, Daenerys in, Pikemen, and then you run three NCUs, usually ones that heal. Uh, hope that you get fire made flesh and then just kind of bash your opponent to death. So, um, but with that said, they have changed to six movement, uh, four up defense, a two up morale. They have two dice hitting on twos. Uh, they lost their ranged attack. They now have Golden Fire. I think they're all all the names are different, but it's their their melee attack, um, which gives vicious hits from this attack cannot be blocked. If this attack generates any hits, instead of rolling defense dice, the defender suffers D3 plus three wounds, and one enemy in short of the defender becomes vulnerable. And then they have the innate ability that allows them to have eight wounds, and they ignore all units and terrain when maneuvering and marching. At this start of its activation, this unit may perform one maneuver action. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, overall, like I was saying, I think, you know, I think they're, they're kind of spot on at eight points. Um, I just think it, you know, uh, having the Mother of Dragons give three free points is along the same lines of what, you know, 1.6 was with, uh, you know, giving a free dire wolf or having an NC commander. I feel like it's just not really needed. Uh, I know Daenerys has the downside of um, giving up two victory points, so you could argue that that is why you could... I mean, sticking her in pikemen, I mean, it's such a defensive unit, and then you have these three dragons flying around. It's hard enough to get that, whereas, like, Joffrey, you know, having that six-point Kingsguard, it's a lot different. You know, he's really wanting to get into the into the action to make use of that Kingsguard unit, whereas you can kind of just sit, I mean, you could, I guess, technically put Joffrey in Guardsman and just sit him back somewhere, but, you know, that would be like taking Mother of Dragons and then not taking the Dragons. Uh, so, I don't know, I, I, I'm kind of indifferent about the Dragons right now. Um, they're about where they need to be in a vacuum, uh, for points based on abilities, but I am sad to see the ranged attack go. I'd much rather have seen maybe like the ranged attack be uh, auto hit, <clears throat> uh, auto hits, so you'll still get defense saves. You can still block it, uh, and I would have loved to see the melee attack just be no saves. 
So not auto straight wounds, so no saves, meaning you still don't get any saves, but if you have something like shield wall, it can block it. Um, I mean, these are just juvenile dragons. Uh, I mean, uh, if you make it straight to auto wounds, this potent, either they're not going to have adult dragons, or the adult dragons are just going to wipe a unit in one go. Like, they're just going to one-shot everything. So I feel like the dragon, these juvenile dragons, even though, like, technically, I guess, if there's only, like, 12 men or however many, you know, the 12-unit the uh, is supposed to represent in the game, uh, you know, really a juvenile dragon should still be able to take out a whole unit realistically in, like, one go. But if for balance of the game, I would much rather see maybe <clears throat> turn the dragons into, like, seven-pointers. You know, like I said... Uh, change change the melee attack to just be no saves. Um, so their offensive potential is a little less, but you still give them that range attack, whereas auto hits. Um, but I don't know. What do you think, uh, Greg? I agree with most of what you said, uh, especially when it comes to them in a vacuum are point units, and they perform like it for the most part. Um my The biggest thing when I've played them, and I don't play them often because lately it's only been uh, friendly games, but um, when I do play them, the thing that stands out to me, the biggest impact they have isn't actually the auto wounds that they do. It's that they ignore terrain and other units. So no matter what my opponent does, he cannot protect his assets. Um, for example, I was playing against the Night's Watch list with the uh, Scorpion. And he had it well protected, should have easily killed my dragon, but instead, round two, I was able to just go right over his units and charge him anyway. And, you know, through his terrain and just completely ignore it all. And that, I think, is their biggest strength and maybe why they feel so broken at times. Because they ignore so many game mechanics. Yeah. Especially before, you know, 1.6, when they didn't even need to roll. They just did their attack. Um, yeah. Like, definitely definitely 2021 Dragons are a step in the right direction by a, a long shot. But I feel like they're just not quite there yet. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a big change. You know, the, uh, a lot of people forget that a lot of this stuff was all leaked, you know, way before its time, or I mean, I'm assuming way before its time. We don't know when they would have released it all. So my guess is they did their best to, you know, fix what needed, like, fixing and revealed it to all, everything to us. So you have to understand that, um, you know, this might not have been the finished product had whoever leaked everything not leaked it, you know. So uh, I, you know, I have faith that you know Simon will, you know, look at what needs looking at, and they'll take in the data and they'll do do what they believe is you know best. Um, so I guess uh, you know, with that said, you know, I know like with a lot of these more recent factions, you know, we've been a little harder on Simon uh, than usual, but really. Uh, it's it's uh, only really that way because we're just trying to throw our suggestions out there. Uh, I want to be you know completely honest. 
2021 uh, is amazing. Like, I absolutely love the game. Uh, I find it more fun than I did in 1.6, way more fun. Um, so the only reason what may sound like complaining is just me trying to give, get my thoughts out there, um, you know, and trying, you know, and Simon can take what they agree with, maybe run with it, or they can just, you know, they don't have to listen to me at all. Uh, but either way, whether or not they listen to me or any of us on the show, um, you know, I trust that, uh, you know, they're always looking out for, you know, doing what they believe is best for the game. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, like I said, the leak kind of threw a big wrench in everything, you know. So we, they probably are just still trying to figure out what they're going to do with a lot of these units that weren't really, you know, we're seeing a lot of stuff that might have been 100% ready to go and other stuff that just weren't quite there and they're just trying to get more data. Now that we have all this, we probably won't see any changes like super soon as they've mentioned multiple times in the past. They want some hard data. They want, you know, tournaments to happen. So that's kind of a double-edged sword because everyone's excited to get back out there, get some tournaments in. But then again, we sort of need to run the broken stuff to then prove to Simon that, you know, we're not just talking smoke, you know. Um, but then again, like I said, if, if people are just wanting to get back out there and have a good time, that's probably not the best idea either. So um, I think maybe uh, promoting your tournament one way or the other is the best. Uh, Gamer Savings having a, a tournament, um, I would, and you know they're doing it a certain way. A lot of controversy there, but they're sort of leaning more towards the fun, uh, competitive fun aspect of, you know, not uh, allowing a couple things to be played. And I understand that. Uh, other tournaments are allowing you know anything and everything, and I understand that too. So I don't know. Um, so we'll have to see what they kind of do with the dragons. Uh, Craig, do you have any like final thoughts on the dragons there? No, I do not. Okay. All right. So we can move on. Um, let's see. So I believe that is, oh, we got the unsullied pikemen and the unsullied swordmasters. Uh, so we'll go with the pikemen first. They are now a seven point unit, uh, movement of five, a three up to hit with seven, seven, four. Floor defense, fort morale. They have the order set for charge. When this unit is successfully charged from the front or the flank, if this unit is not engaged with any other enemy, it performs one melee attack action on the attacker before they resolve their melee attack. And they have the order shield wall. When an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit after rolling defense dice, if it is being attacked in the front or flank, it blocks plus one hit for each of its remaining ranks. So, uh, in my opinion, this is an amazing unit. I mean, it doesn't really have any keywords to boost its attack, but there's plenty of that in the Targaryen deck, in the commander decks, uh, the commander abilities that you can attach to them. Uh, there's plenty of ways to give them the extra bite they need to really get that offense, because they're um, arguably the def most defensive unit in the game. You know, four up save, four up morale. Um, you know, I know uh, for one point cheaper, you got uh, totally sworn shields with a three-up defense, but that plus two morale is huge. 
Uh, that and the set for charge allows you to attack your opponent first, possibly skimming a rank, making, you know, it's almost like a defensive thing uh, in itself. Um, so I absolutely love these guys. Um, they're amazing at seven points. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, they're they're the do-it-all unit for me. Um, in, in addition to being one of the most defensive units in the game, they can also be offensive. They they have a five movement, which most defensive units in this game are at a four-inch movement. So they have an average speed, which for defense is great, and that allows them to really get in there and attack. They hit on threes. They have a decent number of dice. There's not really anything this unit does poorly. Um, it's a great bunker for uh, commanders, like you said, but you can also buff it significantly with things like Bellwas and get them on an objective. They have to attack you, and then you hit them back twice as hard with Bellwas's order or uh, tokens. So this is, when it comes to infantry in the faction, this is the go-to unit. Yeah, definitely, and. You know, to kind of jump right into the next uh, uh, unit, the Unsullied Swordmasters. So they're very similar. They are eight points, though. They do have the same move, five up. Uh, the morale and defense are both fours as well. And their attack profile is also three up to hit. They have an eight, seven, six. So one more die at full ranks and two more dice at last rank. Um, they have the Unsullied Prowess. Prowess, uh, which gives precision, may always reroll attack dice, and opponents cannot expend weakened tokens on this unit while it is attacking. So, I mean, Sephir Charge or Shield Wall are such strong abilities. I know they're orders, so you can only use them once around each, but, and there's ways to get around. Obviously, Sephir Charge is only going to work when you're charged. Shield Wall, um, only in front and flank, so if you can get like someone in the flank and rear or the front and the rear, uh, you can really kind of get by that shield wall. But overall, I think uh, Swordmasters at eight points might just be a little too pricey. Um, they're just, that Fort Morale is nice, but, um, you know, charging into these guys with a, uh, like, with something with Sundering and a Vulnerable Token uh, for an eight-point unit, they just they die, they seem to die too quickly. And I say that from experience, uh, playing against them uh, quite a bit. Uh, and they just, they they seem to lose like a rank here. And granted, their offensive potential does not really decrease very much. So maybe that's it. But uh, I don't know. I think the pikemen just seem to be a much better buy because in my opinion, they're about the same to me. Like, in strength, like, if you don't factor points, you just look at one to the other, they look like they should be, like, the same point costs. Um, now what do you think, Craig? Yeah, I agree with you on that. I wish they'd kept their six movement from 1.6. I think that made them far more lethal before. Uh, this unit is still an offensive juggernaut with the right attachments, uh, Grey Worm Commander, for instance, or plenty of others. But uh, like you said, all all the problems with this unit do not stem from this unit. They stem from the fact that the pikemen exist and from the fact they're at the same 
so you have eight points to spend. Do you get vet? Do you get flayed men? Do you get another dragon? Or do you take the sword masters? Um, that's the biggest tar- uh, problem that most Targaryen units have is that they are all in the same point bracket, and that point and it's a high point bracket, so you can't take many of them. Yeah, so, and so they kind of edge themselves out of being played. Yep, and don't get me wrong, precision's an awesome keyword, but you know, I have the same problem with precision that I do with critical blow. Is that um, I mean, precision is, you know, nice because it's auto wounds, but, I mean, you need those sixes. So, I mean, even with eight dice, you might get two. But you, unlike critical blow, which is going to give you whole, you know, extra dice, it just means you don't get any saves. It's going straight to, as a wound that can't be blocked or anything. Again, it's super nice, but in my opinion, precision, in most cases, is the weakest keyword. Um Granted, obviously, if you have something like a, like super defensive that you need those auto wounds, that changes things. But I think on a grand scale, just looking at everything, precision is the, the weakest keyword. So, I don't know, always getting to reroll dice, um, never being able to be weakened. I mean, these are awesome stuff, but, I mean, you know, you can pretty much take the pikeman plus any one-point attachment and, you know, really, like we were saying before, drive home their, their off, you know, their boost up their offensive capability. And, but as you were saying, there are some attachments that you can kind of put in these source masters to really, you know, crank their, you know, their offensive potential from like a nine up to like 11. You know, uh, what, Grey Worm that gives boldness and courage. So you'd have what, nine, eight, seven, for dice, um, always rerolling on a three up. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about going over hindering keywords. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're some horrible unit that you will never take. I think, like you were saying, it just stems from the fact that pikemen exist at seven points. Um, I know they're different, uh, and their abilities make them quite a bit different, but, um, it's just that one extra point could be huge, and you have all those other options. You know, you might need a cavalry unit. You know, maybe you're running like you already have like a unit of pikemen, so you don't want two of them. And you go, okay, I could take swordmasters, but my list could use some, you know, uh, a mixture of things. So I'll I'll run vets or flademen. I feel like it's going to be rare that anyone would take swordmasters and not take pikemen. But if you take pikemen doesn't necessarily mean you're going to take Swordmasters. You might want some diversity in there with uh, unit selection. So I don't know. Um, Another issue they face is Unsullied Prowess. You know, the always reroll is is a huge, huge boon in this uh, 1.7. Precision, as you said, it's it's auto wounds, but it's not, not the best keyword. But Mormont exists for three points. Instead of buying this unit for eight points, I buy Mormont for three points, and he can boost any unit I want and give them that same ability. Yep. With, with his yeah, order. can give them the re-rolls and the precision. So <laughs> you could basically yep. take, uh, use, you I know, can give it to take a pikeman, and then one point of him 
to equal that eight points. So now you're really you're just talking a two point investment for um, Jora, and now uh, you can use this order to just give those two parts, and then still have all your defensive effects. So and have an extra. Yeah, activation. I don't know. It also kind of sucks because the Swordmasters, in my opinion, are way cooler models than the Pikemen. Uh, they're both awesome, by the way. The, both models are awesome, but the Swordmasters, especially their Bannermen, I absolutely love. Absolutely. So, I don't know. I don't think... I think Swordmasters are still great. I think they're still... I think they're just a low-end eight-point unit. I'll put it that way. I think... Uh, Sword, I'll say pikemen are a, a really great seven point unit, like their top end seven point, and swordmasters is just low end eight point. Um, I think uh, kind of like the vets, you just have to be careful with these swordmasters. You just have to, you can't let them get engaged with anything too offensive, because there's a lot of factions with very offensive six point units, and Though you might win that conflict or that battle between the two units, if you're basically dead by the time they uh, you kill them, you know you only kill the six point unit. You have this eight point investment, so you really have to hope that something else doesn't just poke you, and then you traded an eight point for a six point. Um, but we'll see. Uh, again, I still like the unit. It's just uh, it's hard to ever take them over pikemen when I'm making lists. Um, Let's see. I think that wraps up all the units. Let me just double check here. Yep. So we'll jump into attachments. First one we'll talk about is the Unsullied Officer. He is three, a three-point attachment, giving the order relentless. At the start of a friendly turn, this unit performs one attack or maneuver action. Do not activate a unit this turn. And then he also has go down fighting. Each time a rank in this unit is destroyed, one enemy they are engaged with suffers one wound. So, uh, I think uh, an awesome attachment. I think it, he is, for the most part, really fair at three points. Um, I think a lot of people compare it to the Night's Watch, Watch Captain, but we all know that attachment is just way too ridic ridiculously good. Uh, boldness and Courage, just crazy good. Um, personally... Uh, I'll throw it out there again. I've talked about it before. I'd rather see the Order Relentless put on a named, uh, a unique character, kind of like how Greyjoys have Victorian. Uh, I think this is an awesome design uh, ability, but being able to take a bunch of these is too good and kind of goes against the whole idea of trying to reduce activations you know, both by taking, you know, making everything pretty much four points or more between NCU's units, uh, taking away all the free activations, you know, but then you have this generic three-pointer that can get thrown into any infantry unit. Um, so I, I would like to see it just be a, a named character. You could even make it uh, be um, like Grey Worm or something, I don't know, uh, his ability, and then do something from there. But uh, with that said, I still think that, let's say this Unsullied Officer was limit one. Uh, I think Go Down Fighting plus Relentless is fine at three. Go Down fight, Fighting is a nice little poke damage, but it's nothing insane. Um, and Relentless, again, it's it's essentially an activation. 
What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I think it's a great piece. Um, like you said, it's essentially an activation for three points. Um, you can never go wrong with that. There are a lot of units that benefit from it uh, in this faction. Uh, one of them in particular being the Stormcrow Mercenaries. So now it's a seven-point unit because they make him one cheaper. And I know they really don't hit very hard. So you think, well, why would you do that? A, because it's cheap and you can do multiple ones. But B, in the Targaryen faction, you have a lot of ways to buff their attack, especially if you take Grey Worm. Um, for example, you can pull <laughs> with uh, issue orders, I believe it is. You can pull that order right back off of Relentless, so you can do it again. Um, you can attack with the bags. You get re-rolls with Khaleesi, um, Battle oh, Endurance. You're, you're, talking about, you're talking about issue commands, right? The Texas card? Yeah. Yep. I gotcha. Um, you can put Battle Endurance on a, unit, a seven point unit of Mercs, and with the Unsullied Officer, then they're getting two, three attacks around <laughs> with all those keywords. So there's a lot of things you can do with only a seven-point unit, but again, you can put them just like any other faction that has Relentless. You can put it in Bastard Girls or uh, even der Dervishes is a good unit to put them in. They, you, you can't go wrong with this attachment. You really can't. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I have one list where... Go ahead. What was that? Delario does what? Uh, he buffs it as well because uh, you lose a rank and he can heal you right back up. So he helps oh, yeah, you stay around you. longer to keep getting those ping damages. Well, yeah, I have one list where it's, I believe, Grey Worm in some pikemen, and then I have, I believe, like three uh, um, Stormcore Mercenaries, all with officers in them. That's 28 points right there. And then I have three NCUs for four points each. Now I have, what is it, six, seven, eight, nine, ten activations, which for 2021, crazy high. Um, the average uh, is easily uh, six being, like, on the pretty low end, uh, seven being more of the middle average, and then eight being... Uh, the high average for activation count. Now, uh, Greyjoy and Free Folk, uh, for that rule to apply, just add one. So for them, it's like seven, eight, nine, uh, uh, because they're more like horde factions. But again, with that said, um, competitive play is a little different as well. Um, kind of chop off that bottom number. So it's more like for competitive play, it's like seven, eight. And then uh, for um, Greyjoy and Free Folk, it's like 8-9. Uh, um, if we're talking competitive, uh, usually the competitive players won't um, use that bottom number. But on a, as a general rule, so ten, like I was saying, though, 10 activations is crazy good. And then all you have to do is, you know, I know you just have three Stormcrow Mercenaries and a Pikeman, but you take three, uh, or, yeah, three healing NCUs or two NCUs and then uh, one is Barristan for five points and then uh, the four point I think is Littlefinger and then uh, I have three points left over and I run Jor uh, solo so it we have, you know, it can get we have uh, the same list. a little crazy oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. nice <laughs> great minds so, think alike 
Yep, exactly. The Unsullied Officer, again, it's, uh, I think this combination of ability is great. Simon did a great job with go down fighting, I think is a nice little tack on. My only complaint is just, I think relentless abilities need to be put on uh, named characters so that they can't be spammed. Um, let's see, with that said, um, let's see who's next. Just make sure, okay, the Outrider Co. gives Disrupt. Enemies engaged with this unit suffer minus one to hit. Uh, one point, that is an amazing ability. Uh, I'd argue one of the absolute strongest uh, one-point um, attachments out there. The only thing is that with it being a, a cavalry attachment is that uh, cavalry are usually a bit higher in points. That's not to say this is not a, a – it's still an amazing purchase. Like, But could you imagine one-point disrupt on infantry? Uh, that was like generic. <laughs> It'd be bonkers, like because you could obviously you could run like mercenaries for five points with disrupt. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, I played someone the other day, and somehow I won. I don't even know how, but he ran uh, a Targaryen list with all cavalry, so it was like Drogo and Flaidman. Then he ran three screamers, all with outrider coes, and a um, and an Outrider unit, and I had my Super Healy Greyjoy list, which was uh, Balon in Reavers, three more Reavers, all with War Swarms, uh, so I have four Reaver units, all with Fueled by Slaughter. I have uh, a Trapper unit with uh, Asha, and then I have Tycho, um, Wendemir, and Aaron. So, like, other than the trappers with uh, Asha, every single thing, the tactic stick, all my NCUs, all, everything is, like, healing-based. But the problem being is I hit on fours naturally. I wasn't running Iron Maker. So now I'm hitting on fives against, like, his whole army. Uh, he has Drogo to snipe all of my attachments because I have one in every unit. Um, my Fuel by Slaughter healing less because now I have to take out six wounds to even get a pillage token and to even heal more than one by doing a wound. It was just everything stacked against me. I was basically just poking him. If it wasn't for how much healing I had to constantly stay in the fight, it, the game would have been easily over. But this attachment, amazing at one point. Um, I, I would definitely uh, suggest if you run like this in like all of your units, uh, depending on your opponent's uh, lists, especially if you're doing a two-list format, uh, if you know that they're running, like, um, you know, spamming a bunch of cheaper activations, more than likely they're hitting on fours. So if you can guarantee that they're going to hit on fives almost all the time with everything, uh, this is an amazing attachment to, to a field in that scenario. What about you, Craig? Have you had a chance to run this guy? Oh, yeah, he's one of my favorites. Um, something I'll do because I am very cheap. I won't put them in all of my units, which is not a wrong way to go. I mean, that's nasty. But what I'll do is I'll, like, like I mentioned, I'll run an Outrider horde. So I'll either designate an Outrider unit and put the Co in there or a Screamer unit with the Co if I'm running a Screamer unit. 
opponent has something like Flayed Man or something else that can hunt down my Outriders, I'll just yellow that unit into them. And I'm essentially throwing the unit away, but with that negative one to hit, what I'm doing is tying up that expensive heavy hitter unit of theirs for all, for most of the game, if not all of it. Um, otherwise, I'll go take an objective on their side of the table real quick with it because I have a ridiculous speed with the Screamers and the Outriders. And so I really just use it as a nuisance missile, if that makes sense. <laughs> Just, just something to throw, throw off their plan and really bog yeah, them exactly. down while I do what I want to do. Exactly. And it being on a cavalry unit, you really can uh, do that way more effective than most. Like, uh, I absolutely love trappers for my great choice. Um, a lot of people just think they're okay, but for four points and coming with disrupt is amazing. But they do have that downside that they aren't cavalry. You can't shoot them across the field to whatever you want to tie up. You kind of have to use your numbers to your advantage in the great choice scenario. And this one, uh, like you were saying, you know, you just oh, you know, you want to tie that thing up like the whole game, you're never going to get away from uh, Targaryen cavalry. So you're just going to have to, you know, bite the bullet and try to fight through that disrupt because even if you, like, get a free retreat or something, I mean, they're just going to keep charging back into you. So you're kind of... SOL in that scenario. Not unless, like, maybe you can free retreat and then you're still within range and they charge what you intended to charge to begin with, but, I mean, that scenario is a lot a lot more rare. You would have to somehow charge the disrupt unit with another unit to protect whatever unit you're trying to bog up. Alright, let's see here. And then we can get to the named characters. First one we have is Grey Worm. Um... I don't have the points up, so correct me if I'm wrong, Craig. Grey Worm's a two-point attachment. Uh, yeah. He has boldness and courage. Each time this unit attacks, if it has full ranks, it gains plus one attack die. Otherwise, treat it as having uh, plus one rank for attack dice. And he has rally cry. Each time this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, target one other friendly unit in long range. They restore two wounds. Uh, for two points, this is an amazing uh, attachment. Um, Boldness and Courage is already, like, top five abilities in the game, in my opinion. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the best, because things like Harden are just, like, insanely good. But um, to have a two-point attachment that does these two things is crazy good. I mean, you could even throw him in uh, Mercenaries. I know we keep saying that a lot, but, um, you know, because now your Mercenaries are... uh, Oh, man, what were their profile? It's kind of bad, but with Boldness and Courage on it, it's actually pretty decent. Um, let me pull it up real quick. All right, here we go. It would be an 875. Uh, but the big part about putting him in there, it'd be a six-point unit that now when you attack, because Rally Cry is another unit, or uh, one other friendly unit in long range. So you can start using your mercenaries to attack something to heal your more important stuff. Like, especially if it is like your commander in 
some uh, pikemen, you know, that two extra wounds is huge. Uh, to constantly be stacking back onto your pikemen to help your shield wall. Uh, and like I said, boldness and courage, I know they're only hitting on fours, but eight dice, you know, eight, seven, five, you know, unless you're down to last rank, which five dice at four up is just kind of eh. But eight and seven, I mean, they have to take you down to last rank for you to really not have that potential. And then if you have Jorah nearby, eight dice hitting on fours with rerolls and precision, amazing. What about you, Craig? Uh, do you have any, like, key units that you like to throw him in? Yeah, um, you mentioned um, the mercenaries, um, but because of motivated by coin. So you can oh, have yeah. a rally cry, and you're healing four wounds around. And if you somehow get the well, swords too, that's six wounds around. Um, put them in dervishes because their attack is decent already. It becomes that much better. And, again, they have motivated by coin. Um, so, so you're really double-dipping on his abilities. Another way to double-dip on his abilities is um, Bastard Girls because Boldness and Courage uh, works for both the bow shot and the, uh, the charge. Yep. So then on his, although you're not getting Rally Cry for both attacks, you're still getting the plus one dice or rank. So there's a lot of ways to well, double that, dip in this faction using him. And you could uh, double up on that rally cry with, uh, rally cry with the Bastard Girls because if you take the free attack, shoot, uh, the shot won't give you healing, but can charge for free, heal too, and they still haven't activated and as their activation attack with a melee attack. So they still got to do... Um, they got to do three attacks, two of which being melee, healing four, and then like where you were mentioning with the um, with the motivated by coin with the uh, merc with the mercenaries is that um, you know he, uh, taking the zone as itself, it's heal three and remove a condition token from a unit. Or, in this case, there's almost like unless you need one extra wound and a condition token taken away you're getting essentially a free attack with two wounds. So whereas I, I've had plenty of situations before where it's like, oh, man, I really want to take uh, the coin and use it as an attack, but I really need that healing. In this scenario, it's almost a no-brainer unless, like, you absolutely need that extra wound and a condition token taken away. Uh, I mean, it's a no-brainer to just get a free attack and uh, restore two wounds. So overall, Grey Worm, in my opinion, uh, number one named uh, attachment in Targaryens, but that's that's not counting like commanders, but like uh, ones that you pay for. Uh, next up, we have Belawas, another amazing attachment. He is one point. He has the ability to battle scars, all the time ability for melee, which is after this unit's attack, place one order token on Belawas. This unit's melee attacks gain the following based on the number of tokens. If you have one token, it's vicious. If you have two tokens, uh, vicious and sundering. And if you have three or more tokens, you'll have vicious sundering always rolls its highest attack die value and may reroll any attack dice. This is um, amazing. Um, I mean, I would argue to say that he's right on par with Grey Worm, because, I mean, Grey Worm is two points, uh, so that does kind of make Bellwas a bit more um, appealing. Uh, 
Whereas Grey Worm, I, so that's kind of the what you're, the trade-off. Grey Worm, two points. You're always getting his abilities, though, and some of his combos are crazy. Bellwas, you need to be attacked a, a handful of times, so he's not really going to trigger right away, but you'd be surprised at how quickly the, the tokens do stack up, especially depending on what you put them in. Um, what uh, what has your experience with Bellwas been, uh, Craig? I've had great luck with him. Uh, he's a lot of fun. Uh, to, to me, though, there's only two units he really can go in and still be effective, and that is the Pikeman and the um, Blackguard. So he needs to be in the unit that can actually take those hits. Otherwise, you're just throwing your point away, and you'll never get to your three tokens and still be able to attack again. Um, but in Pikeman, he turns them into a monster of a unit. <laughs> because those, those oh, tokens yeah. stack up fast, like you said but you don't die, and you, you're still hitting on threes, and all of a sudden, Vicious and Thundering's coming down, and you, you can pretty much carve up the whole army if, if things go your way. So I've had a lot of luck with him in that sense. Um, he's good in Blackguard, too, but you need ways to get rerolls, you know, before you get your third token, and after that, it's great. Now, do you and ever run into this... Do you ever run into the scenario where it's kind of frustrating for the the vicious since since they already have vicious, or do you just kind of go eh? The thundering and the always roll highest and reroll dice is just too good to pass up for the the blackguard. Uh, I've only tried them in blackguard once. I usually almost always do pikemen, but I tried blackguard because I was low on points. Uh, in yeah, my I list. And basically, what I did with that unit is I stuck them on an objective, and I sat there. So it gotcha. kind of became a seven-point, just soak-up point. Um, however, the opponent did not want to attack him again after the first one because of that. That was a deterrent. So is it worth seven points yeah. as a deterrent? Eh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I agree that, like, him and Pikeman are almost, like, almost seem like it was meant to be, um, you know, yeah. the... You know, because then that goes back to what we were talking about with the Swordmasters. You know, Bellwas is the perfect example of adding something that's going to add so much offense, offensiveness to the Pikemen that it just, I don't, I don't even know why you would really take the Swordsman over a Pikeman with Bellwas, unless you were just decided you wanted to run both. But, um... Because Bellowas, like he's just so good. Even him in Mercenaries is still great because uh, it's obviously free, so you're paying five points. Granted, you know they're not going to be taking, uh, they're not going to be able to take as much damage um, as most things because they're fairly uh, weak and as far as defensiveness. But uh, I mean, you got to throw a point in the Mercenaries one way or another, so you just go, you know what? Uh, Targaryens don't have a ton of options. Why not? I'll just throw Bellwas in there. Wait, either I get my tokens, I can start whacking people, or I die. But either way, I, I needed a five-point unit, and I'd rather have mercenaries with Bellwas over, let's say, cutthroats or something. So it's definitely, in my opinion, Bellwas and mercenaries isn't the best choice, but it is an option if you're low on points and you just you want to throw a one-pointer in there. Um, 
you'd be surprised, uh, you know, if you throw it across from another weak unit, like your opponent's weak unit, let's say Greyjoys, the Trappers, you know, those mercenaries definitely going to be able to take a handful of hits to really still put out some damage while having all these uh, buffs on them. Or you can even run, uh, like, Ilio uh, to heal them up, kind of, you know, keep them alive so that these tokens uh, take effect. Um, next up we have Jorah Mormont, the Exiled Knight. He is the, um, I think he's a two-point attachment, uh, right? The one that, uh, yes. the Calvary attachment. He has the order tactical reposition. Start of a friendly, uh, or sorry, sorry, start of an enemy turn. Target one friendly unit in short range. They perform a three-inch shift. And then he also gives stubborn tenacity. Each time this unit passes a panic test, one enemy they're engaged with suffers one whipped. Um, I don't know. Two points just seems a little too much. Uh, and I only say that when you compare it to, like, all the other things that you can get for those two points. Uh, like we were just talking about Grey Worm, uh, you know, for two points, it has, like, two of the best abilities out there. Uh, whereas Jorah Mormont, I think, uh, what was it, he's... Na so another thing you have to consider is that unique characters are, you know, limit one, obviously. And not only are they limit one, they're limit one for who they are. So if you take this Jorah Mormont, you can't take his commander, can't take any of his... Uh, infantry attachments, you can't take uh, his solo outrider, so I understand why a lot of the named characters might be a little better in their abilities, but in this scenario, I think he's just, uh, I think he could easily be one point with these abilities, uh, especially when you compare, I know, again, comparing across faction, but Starks have uh, the Winterfell Guardian, who's one point. And he gives, I believe, stubborn tenacity plus uh, something else that does something with morale. Um, but uh, he's a generic attachment, meaning you can run as many of him as you want. So I could, I could definitely see this guy being one point. Um, if let's say if he was one point, amazing tactical position, a great ability, stubborn tenacity. You throw this guy in pretty much anything, uh, Targaryen, because they all have great. Uh, uh, morale uh, stats um, and dealing that one wound back to your opponent is huge uh, over and over again. Um, what do you think, Craig? I personally have not used him yet, but that's just kind of my thoughts on him. I want... Okay, so on paper, I love him, and I want to run him, but I have not because of all the reasons you've just mentioned. He's two points when he's competing with all these other one-point attachments in the Targaryens, um, the Hedge Knight attachments, the Outrider Co. Um, he's competing with himself, especially his solo unit. So probably one point more too. Exactly, and the tactical reposition is huge. Three inches is so big, especially when someone you know someone's setting up to charge you, or you want to get out of range, or, you know, there's so many ways to use that. It's huge. It's a great ability, but I just can't seem to fit him in. So I want to yeah. like him, and on paper I do. I just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've grown to appreciate tactical reposition with, uh, like, Rob Commander um, and uh, who else was it? Uh, Tyrion. You know, it's a great ability 
but I don't know. It, Stubborn Tenacity is just one of those, like, it's a nice little poke damage, but it's nothing, like, to write home about. So these two abilities together, at best, I would say, I don't know, is just an amazing one-point attachment. Uh, I, I just, like you were saying, I could never really justify it for two points when compared to pretty much every other option we've talked about. One more point, you can take Jorah Solo. One more point, you can take an Unsullied Officer. Um, I mean, an Unsullied Officer for one more point gives a whole maneuver, whereas Tactical Reposition is just a three-inch shift um, and only on the uh, at the start of an enemy turn. I will. Uh, start of a friendly turn is, in my opinion, better because you can combo it into... Uh, like charging and other stuff. So I feel like even though starting an enemy turn is still really strong, it is the weaker of the two. I would say, say that if you were to, if you put them in a unit of screamers, although it's eight points and you, you just get flayed men instead or vets. But if you were to do so, and the way if you run two units outriders or more, if you're crazy like me and you run him into a unit, you charge him into a unit, and then you start pouring shots into that unit, you're buffing your ranged attacks as well, as long as you're targeting that same unit. And the uh, um, tactical reposition can help you move those ranged units around to keep them in, in their attack range and then out of the enemy's ability to um, retaliate. So there is a use there. But, again, you can just get a unit of played men. Oh. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely there's definitely some cool things you could try to do with this guy, um, but I think it would be more of like a just kind of a cool idea to do like once. But it's never. I don't. I can't see it being something that you'd be like you'd play it and you'd be like, this is so awesome. I'm gonna run this combo in every list um, or a bunch of lists. It'd be like one of those. I'm gonna try it once. Okay, that was pretty cool. It worked decent, but for two points. Ah, man, two points is just just a little too much. Um, so we'll see how he goes. He has like a bajillion options, so, um, you know, we can move on. I believe I missed someone, though, I think, because Jorah has two foot attachments. I think the reason I missed him is because yeah. the one is uh, can only be attached to Daenerys' unit or something, maybe. I think both of them. Let's see. Oh, you think? Let's see. Yeah, I think that's why I missed them. Well, I think one of them was already shown in the visions. But for some reason, it's not giving me the option to attach to a unit. Yeah, they they can both um, only be attached to her unit. Okay, I see why. I had Jorah Solo <laughs> in the thing. So... Just in case he wasn't in the, um, just in case he wasn't in the visions, and I'm just mistaken, I'll go over both real quick. So the first one is one point. He has an innate ability, which is whatever may come. Each time an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit, after rolling attack dice, you may destroy Jorah. If you do, that enemy becomes vulnerable and weakened. Um, it's all right. Um, I mean, especially if like you're uh, about to die, you know, and you know you you can take one auto wound to yourself that doesn't trigger a panic to make your opponent weaken. Uh, 
because it's when they perform the melee attack. Let's say you're down to like four wounds and you go, you know what, they only have like six dice. I have a, I have a decent morale. I'm going to just pop drawer out there. Uh, even though I have only three wounds now, they're weakened and there's a good chance that they're not going to kill me now. Um, there's always that. So, But for one point, it's kind of... It's very situational, but you know, I, I'm I'm fine with it. Um, I don't think it uh, it's there if you want it, sort of a thing. Like uh, I don't really have a problem with it. It seems thematic. Um, and then there's Jora Two Point uh, Infantry Attachment, which has martial training. Uh, when this unit is performing a melee attack, before rolling a tech dice, this attack rerolls any attack dice, and the defender becomes vulnerable. Uh, which is an order, and then he has all the time ability, which is stand your ground each time an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit. If this unit is only engaged with one enemy, that enemy does not gain charge, flank, or rear bonuses. Uh, this one, uh, I know two points is quite a bit. I understand, though. Martial training is an amazing ability. Uh, I think where I have a problem with is stand your ground. Um, Martial training on a lot of things is one point. Uh, we see that with uh, the Sworn Sword Captains. Um, so stand your ground. We also kind of see here and there like is one point, but a lot of the times no one really wants to take it for one point. So I don't know. I think he has a lot of potential, again, and as we mentioned before, in uh, Pikeman, because he gives those Pikemen that reroll and that vulnerable. Because in some scenarios, vulnerable is better than sundering. Uh, stand your ground could really, I mean, it makes your pikemen super undesirable to charge. Uh, but then again, you know, that's nine points. Whereas, like, Bellwast and the pikemen is just one more point. So, I don't know. Uh, I Again, I still like him. I think stand your ground, though... I don't know. We'll have to. I'll have to probably play around with him a bit more. Anyways, either way, um, he can only be feel. Both of his versions can only be fielded uh, in an army containing Daenerys Targaryen and uh, uh, attached to her unit, and ignores the attachment restrictions. Both of those versions, anyways. Um, Greg, what do you think of both of these guys? I personally, I don't think I've used either of them. Just they seem, they seem kind of, I don't know. Like I was saying, draw the 1.1 just seems thematic, but I don't know if I'd ever use it. And the 2.1, uh, two points, I think he's just, I think he's fair at two points. He's just kind of on the lower end of that spectrum. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, do you have two points to, to spare? You know, and with this faction, it's all eight-point units, and then another two, or si there's one seven-point unit, the rest are eight, and then I just can't, just haven't been able to justify the points again for them. Point-starved as it is, I feel like. You know, for one more point, I've got Freedmen or Mounted Jura. So, they're good, but... I just haven't been able to justify it. Yeah. And it'd be nice uh, if eventually they come out with, like, the... I forget what they're called. But it's basically, like, the Unsullied uh, that are not, uh, like, 
gun being trained that Daenerys uh, bought. The you unblooded. Know, maybe make yep. them. Yeah, unblooded, and make them like. I don't know, they could they could be five points, but more than likely I, I would see them probably being six. But be cool when they come out, because then I think there'd be a lot more potential with these two-point attachments um, with them. Um, let's see, with that said, I think we are done with the attachments, and on to the NCUs, which I believe we have three or four. First one we have is Daenerys Targaryen, the Unburnt. She is a five-point NCU, which gives the ability Dracarys. Each time Daenerys claims a zone, you may replace that zone's effect with one of the one friendly dragon uh, performs one attack action. So, and then she has the ability uh, that you may reduce the cost of a dragon. I think. Yep, one dragon by one point. Yep. So essentially, she's four points. Uh, so it. And I find that weird, though. Like, she encourages you to take a dragon because you reduce the cost of a dragon, but she already encouraged you to take a dragon because her ability only works on dragons. So I feel like you could have just made her four points and not had that little stipulation on the back because uh, you're not going to take her for four points and then not take a dragon anyways. So... But maybe they just wanted it in there for, like, thematic uh, purposes. I don't know. Either way, I consider her a four-point NCU, um, and I like it. It it really can dr- – she's, like, amazing in a, a one-dragon list. You know, you have a list, one dragon. You go first that round. You take the free attack. You attack with that dragon. You know no matter what zone your opponent takes, you then take another zone, replace it, free attack. Your dragon still hasn't activated, and good chance they've killed whatever they needed to kill. Um, And, you know, you can go charge into something else. Uh, So I think she's like a staple for for any list that are looking to only run a single dragon. Um, What about you, Craig? Yeah, I mean, you covered it all. There's nothing fancy there, no tricks, just just burn it all. <laughs> yep. Yeah, pretty straightforward with this one. Um, I like it. I, I think it's uh, very strong, but very fair. And again, it's 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 tied into the fact that you, you have to run a dragon. Like, you, this isn't like one free attack on anything, or with anything, you know, so. Um, and I do like a lot of one-dragon lists. You know, whenever I see someone playing all three dragons, I just kind of give a sigh, and it's just kind of a headache to play one-dragon lists. You know, that's completely manageable. You know, as we were saying on paper, a dragon for eight points is completely fair. And I think, uh, like I was saying, you know, essentially she's four points, and the dragon is still eight points. And I think a free attack replace effect is completely fair for uh, for four points. It's not like you get the zone and then you get a free attack. So, um, so yeah, uh, a great ability. Um, it was nice to see that they, you know, gave her a different model in the in the hero box. So I definitely like it. Next up, we have Barristan Selmy, advisor to the dragon. He has the ability Wisdom of the Old Knight. He's an influence when this unit claims a zone, attach this card to a combat unit to the end of the round. While influencing a unit, 
Each time that unit is targeted by an enemy ability or tactics card, you may remove this card from that unit to cancel the effect of that ability or tactics card. Uh, he's five points, and I think he is worth every bit of that five points. He is amazing. There's so much potential with his uh, with his effect. So um, this uh, this one's wording is a little confusing. Um, basically, it's saying that any effect of your opponent. So if you put it on your unit, if your opponent tries to target your unit with one of their effects, or abilities, or tactics cards, you can stop it. You could place it on your opponent's unit, and when your opponent tries to use one of its own abilities or tactics cards on the unit, you can remove it to stop it. That's essentially what it's saying. Um, and the big part about that is a lot of key things, um, you know, somebody can stop. Uh, I believe um, you can place it on uh, a watch captain. So when they try to use the relentless order, you remove it to cancel it. Uh, you can place it on a stack knight to uh, stop the resilience order. I mean, he's like the Olena uh, of you know Targaryens, but instead of NCU's, he's doing it to you know their key strong. Uh, unit on the field and there's so many other uh, so much other potential for this uh, for stopping things uh, Craig what about you have you run into any like certain uh, like strong abilities or tactics cards that uh, you've been able to stop with him yeah um, the my friend who I play the most is a Night's Watch player and I know if I'm facing Night's Watch, I need Selmy in my list. He's going to turn off vows that he may put on units. Um, Jon Snow's card that lets a unit attack you back after you kill it and it kills you, you survive, it stops that. Um, it stops Relentless, like you said. There are just so many um, free activations it stops. It'll stop um, Bastard Girls doing their free charge. He, he He's an MVP. Now, one thing I want to mention, I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they FAQ'd um, that uh, the tactics cards uh, are not um, abilities. Uh, it says or tactics cards. Pretty much. Card. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see. That's where I was mixing it up. I was just looking at the ability yep. part. So, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, he is, he's awesome. Five points, uh, like you were saying, competitively, he's a must. Um, he is somewhat like all the, like, the key things that are considered way too good for 2021, um, he's like the complete counter to it. Um, and like I was saying, he's, he's a must take for if you're running a competitive list. Um, I would say he's probably my favorite NCU for for Targaryens. <clears throat> Next up, we have Zario Zondaxis. Uh, he has Wealth of the Thirteen. He is a four-point NCU that gives the influence when this unit uh, claims its own. It attaches card to a combat unit to the end of the round. While influencing a unit, that unit suffers or gains a fouling based on the zone he controls. Uh, if you have the crown, they suffer plus one wound from failing panic tests. If you control the wealth zone after rolling defense dice, this unit blocks plus one hit. 
if you have the letter, units attacks gain plus one attack die, and if you control the house of the undying, units attacks suffer minus one attack die. So um, obviously you're really going to want to run him with uh, Priot Pre, who we'll talk about next, because he unlocks House of the Undying. Um, and in my opinion, you also want to run him in possibly a 3 MCU list. I know a lot of competitive players are already running 3 MCU lists, but if you throw that House of the Undying, you already have Zarya Zone, Doxus, and Priot Pre. Uh, neither of them together is some like amazing NCU combo. So I would say you're probably going to want to run three NCUs if you do those two. Uh, I've only ever done it a couple times, and it's a nice little, um, you know, it it adds some kind of fun uh, play style to the game, but it's it's nothing really to write home about, I guess, for all I'll leave it. Uh, and then I'll jump into Priot Free real quick, and then, I'll, Greg, I'll have you kind of talk about both of them. Uh, he is also okay. four points. You place the House of the Undying Tactic Zone card next to the Tactic Board start of the game. It acts as an additional Tactic Zone for all purposes. Uh, I'll jump over to the uh, the spot, what it does first. There can only be one House of the Undying in the game. Your opponent must discard one Tactic card uh, at random from their hand. If That's the Zone's effect. Uh, what Priot Pre does is each time a friendly NCU claims the House of the Undying Zone, you may replace its zone's effect with your opponent must reveal one Taxus card at, uh, at random from their hand. You may have them discard that card or return it to their hand. If you return it to their hand, they must then randomly discard one Taxus card. So I want to point out that uh, I believe before he had to take the zone to get his uh, cool effect. Now it's any friendly NCU can take the House of the Undying, and essentially what he's allowing you to do is get two chances to get a good card um, discarded out of your opponent's hand rather than just one chance. Um, Craig, what do you think of uh, these two guys plus the, the zone itself? Daxos? I really like uh, the way you can change his effect by taking different zones. I think that's unique. It's fun. Uh, one downside to it, something that I don't like, is that it doesn't have all of the zones on his card. For example, if you take the horse with him, it's pointless. Take the swords with him, it, you know, he also doesn't get the ability. So that's kind of frustrating to me. Um, the, the two zones you want the most as a Targaryen, you can't really utilize. However, he does have some bonuses in some builds. For example, with the crown, with the Queen of Marine, and stuff like that. So he's okay, but there are better options. Uh, pre, I really like that he adds the house of, adds the house of the undying. Um, the benefit is decent, but I like adding the sixth zone. And that if your opponent shows up with three NCUs and you show up with three NCUs, you don't have to worry about your uh, third NCU sitting on his hands. Especially if you bring Walder, I like uh, combining him with Walder, and then you're guaranteed, no matter what your opponent does, to have that last zone to take at the end of the round. Yeah, um, and you know, in in addition to getting rid of tactic cards out of your opponent's hand. Now, one combo I want to point out that so I've already talked about how frustrating hardened is. One combo I really want to talk about, which is just it takes hardened and cranks it up to a billion, is having 
uh, Belwas Commander in Unsullied Pikemen and then putting Zarios on Doxus on the uh, wealth and healing them up three and influencing them. Now they are blocking five. You are blocking... So this, for those that haven't really noticed, the combo with, uh, um, with Shield Wall and Hardened, no matter what rank you're on, uh, the first time you use Shield Wall, it auto-blocks four. Because if you're at full ranks, Hardened blocks one, Shield Wall blocks three. If you're at two, Hardened uh, blocks two, Shield Wall blocks two. If you're at last, it's block one, block three. So no matter what rank you're on, it's just flat four. And then if you have Zara's own Doxus on there, it's plus one. So with this combo, uh, on the turn in which you use Shield Wall, it's auto block five. I mean, and that's after you roll defense dice. So, I mean, how do you kill that other than, like, a dragon that just ignores the blocks? Um, or, like, getting really lucky with a ton of precision. It is super frustrating. Um, the ability to combo so many abilities that block, is, uh, I, I just I can't express how frustrating it is uh, enough. But, um, But I wanted to point it out. For you Targaryen players out there, uh, I don't blame you if you run it. Um, it's super strong. Uh, it basically makes the unit not worth even attacking. Uh, even like, even if you're some like hardcore uh, offensive unit, again, unless you have a way to make it auto wounds, how do you how do you get by uh, block, auto blocking five after rolling defense? <laughs> it's, it's just it's nutty. Um, Craig, have you ever pulled that combo off yet? I have not. No, yeah, it's Spencer nope. has uh, plenty of times, and it, like I said, it's so frustrating. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, I just wanted to point it out because it's it's crazy. But uh, I do like the um, idea, uh, the thing you brought up. Um, running Priot Pre, you don't even have to run. Sorry, his own Doxus. You could just run, let's say, Barristan Sell Me, pry it free to unlock that sixth zone, and then run Walter. Run them three. That way you still have, like, the best NCU for the Targaryens, in my opinion. You have uh, pry it free to unlock to... It's almost like a combo with, the, with Walter, like you were saying, to unlock so you can always use Walter. And, uh, and yeah, I think... Uh, that's definitely a great a tactic that you can, can do. Um, and I believe last thing we have is Dar uh, Daenerys Targaryen Khaleesi. She is a four-point NCU, conviction of a true Khaleesi. Uh, influence uh, when they claim a zone, attach a combat unit on the round. Each time Daenerys influences a unit, remove one condition token from them. While influencing a unit, that unit's melee attack may reroll any attack dice. So uh, right away, she's She's basically a, a lateral change from Catelyn Stark. Uh, so the same in every way, except for instead of attacking at highest attack die value, uh, it's just reroll attack dice. Um, depending on your scenario, not one is better than the other, in my opinion. I think it just depends on what unit, what scenario, situation you're in, uh, whether or not wh who's better and in what case. Uh, overall, a great four-pointer. Um, you guys have heard me 
endlessly talk about how much I love Catlin and how I consider the removal of a token better than the highest attack die. And I would even say the same for this one, uh, especially when you have so many ways to get rerolls between Bellwas and um, Jura Solo and other things that, you know, that removal of the condition token is huge, um, especially now in 2021. Like, they amped up the ability to throw out tokens, you know, by a lot. And some things just it really needs those tokens in order to trigger tactics cards and whatnot. And the ability to take them off is not something you see all over the place. Uh, what about you, Craig? Uh, earlier this episode, uh, talking about attachments, we kept mentioning, we'll put this attachment into Stormcrows, uh, for example, a Grey Worm, and um, that way you get the extra attacks off the bags and blah, 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 and uh, Unsullied Officer with Relentless. So you're getting multiple attacks with those two attachments in that particular unit, but you're still only hitting on fours. Now you add, you combo it with this, you have all those extra offensive abilities, you have the extra attacks, and now you have rerolls as well, wherever you need it. So this makes all of that come together and really, really work. So in, in some lists, she's, you know, you can't leave her home. I think she's right up there yeah, with exactly. Selmy as far as uh, that goes. Well, yeah, especially, like, obviously Selmy's better, but he's one more point. So, like, if we're talking just yep. ability to ability, but... That one, like we've mentioned all show, you know, Targaryens have a lot of expensive units. So sometimes Selmy is kind of out of the question if you don't want to sacrifice, you know, downgrading a whole unit. Because sometimes you might not even have an attachment to downgrade to get Selmy. You might have to, like, take a Screamer and reduce it to a Harakar, which is not a horrible thing. Harakars are awesome. But, um, you know... Sometimes you might not be willing to make that sacrifice and you have to downgrade Selmy. And I think Khaleesi uh, is an amazing four-pointer and a great option if you have to do so. Absolutely. So that that kind of wraps up uh, everything there. Uh, Craig, did you have any final thoughts on uh, the three, the units, uh, NCUs, and attachments? I really like where the faction is. I think it is leaps and bounds over where it was in 1.6. Um, it has more. It has a lot of tools in its toolbox, which I think is a really big deal, and we're starting to see all that come together. Um, it's not just dragons and 10-point units anymore. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I was happy to see the pikemen go down a point because, uh, like you were saying, there's so many things that are eight points. You know, you have... Other than the Harakars at five, you just you have what two it's two units that are six points, um, one unit that's seven points, and then everything else eight points. So unless you're running like that, you know, traditional Targaryen list, um, or sorry, uh, Dothraki list where you have a bunch of Outriders and Screamers, if you want to run infantry, you kind of have to supplement those Stormcrows, which is nice. Uh, you know, I I should mention. Um, for those that didn't notice, they did turn all Stormcrow neutral units into Targaryen options. So now you can run full uh, Stormcrow Targaryen lists if you want, and, and we'll talk about them in the next show, but they do have a, um, a Targaryen version of, uh, 
of Dario Commander, which I believe the, there's only one difference. He literally just has a fourth card. Uh, his abilities are the same on his attachment. His other three tactics cards are all the same, so there literally is just one difference, and that's that he comes with uh, a card to replace one of the other cards. So, And we'll talk about it in the next one, but uh, I, I guess I should have mentioned, you know, the Stormcrows, it's nice that, you know, there is no limit, so if you wanted to run an all-Dario Stormcrow Targaryen army, you could. Um, but uh, without factoring Stormcrows, if you wanted to, like, stay truly, like, non-Stormcrow options, um, you know, running infantry is not easy because everything is uh, seven plus points. You know, with the Unsullied right now, that's kind of why I was mentioning before. If they come out with the other Unsullied units, you know, it'd be nice if they're like six points even. Because even six points is, I think, six points is kind of that threshold where it needs to be six points or less in order to really start to run as many as you would be, you know, feel comfortable with to have, you know, that five unit. Because four units is kind of like the limit. You don't want anything less than four, but four is still kind of low. You kind of want it to be an elite uh, force if you're only at four units. If you can get to that fifth unit, and in my opinion, I'm talking like actual units, not like solos. Um, you know, they give you an activation, yes, but they're they're not able to really get into the mix unless you're talking like the mountain that rides. So... Uh, I agree. I think uh, Targaryens are in a great spot. I have very, very little complaints about them. Most of my complaints will come in the next show, so just wait. Uh, but really, it's only a couple even then. Um, uh, I only have a couple complaints even in the next show. Otherwise, I think uh, they've done a great job with Targaryens. Um, they're really strong. Uh, like I was saying, I think they're because of the dragons, they're my the second strongest. Take them out, they still are in contention to being uh, second strongest. But it get, without dragons, it gives Lannisters kind of a, a nice little boost uh, to kind of catch up to them, in my opinion. So, uh, with that said, we can uh, end the show there. Uh, next show will just be the commanders and their tactics cards, um, and then that'll kind of wrap up... Uh, the Targaryens. Uh, I do want to make an announcement that I am on call for deployment again, so uh, I'm going to try to see if I can get other uh, other of my co-hosts to be able to host the shows, so that way you guys aren't without uh, the shows for a month like, uh, like the last time I had to go out. Um, at this point, uh, our, our briefing said that it's not really a matter of if we go, it's a matter of when, so I'm trying to work it in there because the last thing I want to do is be a whole month behind because I really want to like I said before I really want to talk about all the factions in detail for you guys um, you know but then then again I am excited to kind of get through all of this and start talking about normal stuff again you know talk about some of the revealed stuff the revealed units and talk about the beta um uh, I don't know what you'd call them, the, the beta uh, point restrictions, I guess the best way to put it, which I'm excited to talk about that too. Uh, we were going to maybe talk about that tonight, but we're kind of right at that comfortable stopping point that I think I'll save it for another show. Um, but I believe we only have uh, 
like three more shows of this. We have the rest of Targaryen, and we have two uh, two for neutral, and then uh, would be all wrapped up. Um, you know, but with that said, uh, close it out. Thank you again, Craig, for coming on. It was definitely a great, quick, uh, but in-depth uh, show. Got a lot to, got a lot talked about and gone through. Um, I want to thank all you guys for listening in. Uh, again, I want to do a shout out for, uh, you know, all the other content creators out there. They definitely do an awesome job. You know, whether it be, you know, there's so many different styles too. You know, I know everyone kind of has their their preference. Um, you know, Chase from On the Table Gaming, he's awesome. George Three Sales Gaming. You got uh, Chris Tran from um, Sunday Slaughter. Got Carlo and Mickey. If you want to do a, a song of, uh, I apologize, I'm blanking on the name, but a song of IceFireStats.com, um, the Tourney Grounds. That's what it's called. Uh, definitely go check all those guys out, especially uh, you know if you're looking for some more content. You know they they definitely have some awesome uh, stuff and a lot of different takes too. Um, some a lot more positive, some just a lot more like directly to you know. Uh, you know they're throwing out their their thoughts out there, and you know it, it's all preference on you know kind of what you like to hear. So I would, if you haven't given them a try, definitely give every one of them a try and kind of you know see which one uh, which style you like. Maybe you like them all, kind of like me. I, I listen to all of them all the time. Um, yeah, I just I like to absorb everything I can for this game because you know I think Simon isn't perfect. But uh, they're doing their best, and I can definitely tell that you know they they definitely love this game. Um, with that said, uh, definitely go check out our Facebook page. We still do the every hundred likes we give out a unit box. If we hit a thousand, we're going to give out a starter box of the winner's choices. Um, I think we've been sitting comfortably at uh, like 700. And 60 something so if we can get like 30 something people you know that's a whole nother unit box so definitely uh you know let your friends know just tell them hey head over there click that like button uh you can follow us on any of the platforms um i think we're we're on a bunch now it's uh itunes google play spotify stitcher tune in podtail owltail podbay I think that's all of them, but there might even be more. Um, we kind of, you know, we don't really care where you guys listen to it at. You know, we, we go on all those platforms just to kind of be more convenient for you guys. Uh, so just follow us on uh, any of the platforms that uh, that you might listen to us on. Um, with that said, thank you so much again for listening in. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. <laughs>